Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Pirelli tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Welcome in, podcast listeners. Lots of NFL draft discussion and lots of last dance discussion. So much there. We'll also bring in Dan Wetzel to discuss both of those, plus begin the conversation at least a little bit. When are sports going to come back as coronavirus cases hit a new low for April? Lots of positivity out there about the backside of the curve, both for total new cases and for deaths. We'll be talking about it. Appreciate all of you. Thanks for listening. The podcast begins now. Outkick the coverage with Clay Travis live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. <laughs> You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. I got to tell you, I thought that the NFL draft was phenomenally well done. And I know that we live in an era when everybody wants to rip everything to heck. When everybody wants to go out there and they want to say something was awful or it wasn't good or any of those things. But you look at the numbers that are out there. And they were extraordinary for this audience. And I believe this reflects a great hunger for sports to be back in this country. And in particular, I think people just want the NFL and Major League Baseball and the NBA and the NHL and the MLS and they want it back bad. Now, we're going to talk about the great Michael Jordan documentary that I watched last night that I know many of you did as well. Uh, I thought it was scintillating. I thought it was incredible. This, unfortunately, may be the last great weekend of really good sports that we have for some time where you could sit down on Thursday night, watch the NFL draft, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all three of those days if you wanted to, and then you could watch the Michael Jordan documentary, The Jordan Era Bulls on Sunday. I don't know how you guys spent your time with the, the, your family this weekend, but on 
Monday, on Thursday, we watched the NFL draft. The whole family, every pick. And I know you guys who listen to the show know we talked about the overall, uh, you know, what we thought of the draft on Friday on the show. Broke down winners, losers, big storylines, everything. Sat, uh, Friday, Friday night, watched the draft all over again. Whole family got around. We watched uh, all of the second and the third round all night. Saturday, took a pause from sports, trying to get the kids to read the Harry Potter books because I don't want their brains to go completely to mush from playing video games and not having school for a couple of months. So I've got them reading the Harry Potter books, and both of my boys, my two oldest, managed to finish the first Harry Potter book. So we watched the Harry Potter movie. Sunday, whole family got together, and we watched again together the Jordan documentary. I don't know about you, but this quarantine, we have spent more time together as a family in my house than ever before. And I know there's a lot of people with major health issues they're dealing with and everything else. But for a lot of you who are like me with young families out there, my nine-year-old told me the other day, Dad, this is the greatest thing ever. We have no school, and school has been out since early March in uh, the part of Nashville where we live. And their school is canceled for the rest of the year. So, you know, you used to be when you were a kid, you're like, hey, if we get one day off for snow in Nashville where I grew up, it's a huge deal. These kids got off all of March. They got off all of April, almost done with April now. And they're going to get off the rest of May. And they don't have any responsibilities, at least my kids, because they're young. And so this is about as good as it gets for them. And... The draft, I thought, was so spectacularly put on. I just thought, in general, it was so well done. 15.6 million people watched the draft on Thursday night. And it wasn't just that day that numbers were up massively. Ratings were up 37% on Thursday night in the NFL, 40% on day two, and 32% on day three, uh, people watched all three days. And this is an important lesson. And I know there are a lot of people out there who work in the world of sports. You might be surprised. Coach, their executives, whatever they are, they pay attention to OutKick in particular. Uh, and we appreciate all of our audience regardless. But I think this is an important lesson about not listening oftentimes to people who come out and say, that there's a lot of bad things will happen if people keep with their normal expected dates, right? Like, there were people, including Mike Florio, who works for NBC, Pro Football Talk. He came out and he said, if the NFL doesn't stop free agency, it's going to be a day that will be they'll be regretting for decades. It'll be like the JFK assassination of the modern era. And then what happened? NFL free agency took place, was wildly popular. Nobody was offended by it. Adam Schefter came out and said, I don't know what in the world the NFL could be thinking. Stay Keeping the NFL draft at the same dates that it's going at right now with the coronavirus infections going on right now. And then what happened? More people watched than ever before because ultimately the draft is an uplifting story. It's a positive story. It's a story of kids, most of whom are not raised with substantial wealth, suddenly becoming incredibly wealthy and seeing their dreams realized in one night.
or two nights or three nights as the case was. I don't get tired of it at all. I really don't. You know, as a kid who was raised without wealthy parents, as someone who has worked his way up, I feel a great deal of kinship with a lot of these kids in athletics who go from having nothing to working their way into having a great deal. Now, my climb has taken more years than theirs has, but it's funny. I was in the Fox Sports Studios uh, back on July 4th when we were finishing locking in, and I was sitting with an athlete in the green room at Fox. I'm not going to tell you who it was, uh, but we're sitting there because this is an off-the-record conversation, but we're sitting there, and it's a pro athlete that most of you would know, uh, and I'm sitting there talking with him, and he's on the phone, and he's talking with his kids on you know FaceTime. And he's having to lecture one of his kids about the way that he's behaving. You know, young kid. He's got a young kid. I got three young kids. And he's lecturing that kid. And he's saying, man, like, man, you don't have any, you don't know how good you have it. It's July 4th weekend. You're at a pool. You're hanging out with your brothers and your sisters and your mom, all your family. You got as much food as you want. You got all that. Like, he's just running through all the things that this kid has working for him. He finishes a conversation, hangs up the phone. And he just looks at me. He's like, man, I don't, I don't know how to do it. I said, you know what? I know exactly how you feel. Because now my kids have a lot of advantages that the average kid doesn't have out there. They are in, they're fortunate. They are, uh, they are in a different uh, income category than I was ever in. They're in a different zip code than I was ever in. And I've told this story before, but to me it epitomizes the uh, the NFL draft. And I know that there's a lot of athletes out there who know exactly what I'm talking about. I try to make my kids understand the importance of hard work. And I thought that I had had an incredible parenting moment. I really did. I'm walking through uh, through the uh, the neighborhood with my kids. And they're complaining because they're coming from a house where a kid had, I think it was a trampoline in the backyard. And we don't have a trampoline in our backyard. Maybe it was a pool. I don't remember what it was. It was some asset that we don't have in our house. We don't have a trampoline in our backyard, and we don't have a pool in our backyard. And they were like, man, Dad, we don't have a pool in our backyard. We don't have a trampoline. Like, what's going on with life? And I was like, man, you knuckleheads don't know how good you have it compared to, you know, the way that your mom and I were raised. I said, you know, when I was a kid, I used to get in the car every now and then with my mom and we would drive around into different neighborhoods and look at all the really big houses and wonder what the people who lived there were like, what their life was like, you know. And it's Christmas, you know, all the all the different lights are on and the wealthier neighborhoods, not a big surprise, wealthier neighborhoods you drive around in tend to have more Christmas lights, right? They got fancier decorations, bigger houses. I said, you know, guys, you guys live in one of those houses now. You live in the house that your dad used to drive around and wonder what it might be like to live in one of these big houses. And I mean, I sold it and I finished it and I just felt like, man, I just made the greatest parenting point of all time. These kids 
are going to remember this for the rest of their life. I have blown their mind. Their perspective is going to change forever. And do you know what my oldest kid said as soon as I finished that story about being a kid and wanting to know what it would be like to grow up and live in a big house one day in a good neighborhood? I'll be damned if that little brat didn't say immediately, well, Dad, now you know. Well, Dad, now you know. And I just, I, I, I was just, I just sat there for a minute and I'm like, man, perspective is just totally in the eye of a beholder. Whatever a kid grows up with, he thinks is normal. And that was the conversation that I had with that now very wealthy pro athlete. And he's like, we were having, we were commiserating, sharing those stories. Like, how do you teach a kid how hard they have to work in order to be successful when they have grown up surrounded by success? And to me, the thread that connects what we watched in the world of sports this weekend as a family on Thursday, Friday, and Sunday night was hard work. And if you are out there right now, you know what I'm talking about. Every generation, by and large, has it a little bit better than the one before. That's been kind of the history of world life in general. We all like to think that we had it really hard, but if we went back 40 years before us, they probably had it harder. Everybody gets a little bit easier thanks to world progress. Life gets easier every generation a little bit more. But the truth is, Ultimately, what defines success, and I still believe this to a large extent, is hard work. And I think it's the one thing you can't fake. And if you watch this Michael Jordan documentary, I think it just brings home how much talent is not enough. And I think that's certainly the case with the NFL draft too. What is it that allows somebody with talent to become great? Right, Talent is a prerequisite. Okay, Michael Jordan had to be good at basketball in order to become Michael effing Jordan, right? But talent by itself is not enough. And the same thing is true of all these kids that got drafted on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Yes, you got to be fast. Yes, you got to be strong. But also, talent ultimately is is not enough to dictate when you get into the NFL or when you get into a college for a certain extent as well. But certainly when you get into the NFL, talent alone will not dictate whether or not you succeed. And so I think what has been so great about these productions with the NFL draft leading into this Jordan documentary was the degree to which they connect. And if you are a parent at home right now and you are like me and you have kids that are out of school, and you got kids that may well have been quarantined or socially distanced in your home without a lot of other kids around them for a long time. How do you continue to teach and mold them in a positive way? Sports a big part of that. And as I said earlier, my little league's been canceled. Your little league's probably been canceled. Basketball season, maybe the last time that you were out, we did some bas- baseball practices, and then we were shut down. Whole season's done. So having these, uh, these events on television, which can still use sports to impart and, and, and train important life lessons, is, I think, really, really valuable. 
And I give credit to a large extent to the NFL for being willing to look past people who might well have criticized their decision to keep these events going and to do them even though there was going to be criticism out there for them. I really strongly do. And I think they have been fantastically rewarded with the audiences that have chosen to consume this product. So I just, I got to give the NFL tremendous credit. I got to give ESPN tremendous credit for getting this documentary out. And with all the technological glitches that could have gone on, I got to give a lot of props to ESPN for the way in the NFL network that they put all this draft together. I just thought it was seamless. And this is speaking from a guy's perspective who knows how television works in some level, being having done daily television a lot. It's not an easy process to get it all out there. There are a lot of moving parts and there are a lot of people involved. And I just think they've done an absolutely incredible job. But what I saw connecting the thread of the weekend of activity in the NFL and also the Michael Jordan documentary was the importance of hard work and how talent alone does not guarantee by any stretch of the imagination success. And so how do you impart hard work? Sports is a big part of imparting hard work in our country. We'll continue to talk about the NFL draft. I want to talk about this Michael Jordan documentary in more detail. I took notes again, just like I did uh, on uh, last Sunday and told you we would talk about it. Also going to talk more about the NFL. What did we learn about who was drafted, the positions that were valued, and which teams in particular did we think, and by we, I mean me, did I think particularly did a fantastic job of drafting This is Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o -O who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Firestone tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended installer near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerackcom sports to see their firestone test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerackcom sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be All right. Um, I don't understand the decision to draft Jalen Hurts by the Philadelphia Eagles either. And we could talk about the NFL draft uh, after the first round, which you already talked about the first round a lot. But I think almost all of you who watched the last dance are still in awe over so many different things that happened in that documentary last night. Um, It was absolutely fantastic. And what an unbelievable character Dennis Rodman is on so many different levels. I mean, first of all, the decision to ask for uh, a vacation in the middle of what was going to end up being the sixth Bulls championship and just disappearing. I mean, there's so many unbelievable scenes. The one that I think stands out the most to me that was actually on tape is Rodman running a beer and then hopping on a motorcycle with a police escort <laughs> to leave. I don't know if he was leaving Bulls the game or practice or where he was going. It was at night, but he's running a beer, and then he takes the beer, you know, out, and then uh, and then he just takes off. And I mean, it was unbelievable to watch in general. I mean, I I was just just I I watched that and I think. Oh my God, can you imagine? Can you imagine? That was just one tiny little thing Dennis Rodman did. But can you imagine what the reaction would be today if there was a video clip of a player running a beer and with a police escort then hopping on a motorcycle and driving away at a pretty good rate of speed without a helmet on? I mean, people would lose their mind. I'm not even sure who the player in the NBA you could even think of trying to pull that off, right? Like, you think about who the bad guy is in the NBA or kind of the free spirit is in the NBA. I'm not even sure exactly who that guy would be. But can you imagine that Twitter clip going out there and how much attention it would get and all the stories that would be written about it and everything else. And that was one small part of The Last Dance. So that in and of itself, I totally had forgotten about Dennis Rodman dating Madonna. I mean, that that is a wild story. And then when he was almost like the story was, I remember reading in SI 
that Rodman was thinking about killing himself at the palace. That's why he had the gun in his car. And it was like that was a crucible moment for him where he stopped trying to pretend to be somebody else. And so then he uh, then he gets traded to the Spurs. He breaks out the demol- demolition man hair. And for those of you out there, like the NBA back in the day, I feel like there's a lot more NBA players with sort of exotic looks, if you want to describe it like that, with hair or, you know, like with tattoos or whatever it was. But back in the day, the NBA was a pretty clean-cut league in the 90s, right? Like, even tattoos weren't that common. And all of a sudden, when Dennis Rodman came out, and like you had in the 70s and 80s, we saw with Phil Jackson, he's like, or the 60s or whatever, like, I'm dropping acid. And then you had the 80s, which was like the cocaine era, as we heard last uh, last episode, where uh, Jordan's like in 84 when I came into the league, you know, we had the uh, the craziness that was going on uh, with the Bulls back in that day. And I took notes on both of those episodes. And what did he call it? He called it the, uh, let's see, I, I wrote it down, um, the Bulls traveling cocaine circus back in 84. But by the late 90s, like everything was pretty chill in the NBA. It was very corporatized, for lack of a better word. And so when Dennis Rodman suddenly went blonde hair, that was pretty wild with this demolition man look. But then when he said, I need a vacation, and he just disappears to go to Vegas, I was like, I don't remember. I don't even remember that story. And I was a pretty big Bulls fan back in the day. I mean, I was watching all their games. I didn't even remember that Dennis Rodman just disappeared. And then how about Dennis Rodman is gone and all of a sudden, like, he has to go get Dennis Rodman, and he's knocking on the door, and Dennis Rodman's in bed with Carmen Electra. And by the way, Carmen Electra at that point in time, in the late 90s, was about as famous of a woman as there was anywhere. I mean, I mean seriously, in the United States, she was the pinup queen she and Pamela Anderson, for those of you out there who remember uh, those two women, they were like two of the most iconic, uh, famous, hot women in all of America right then. So Dennis Rodman, and by the way, the Dennis Rodman scene where he's lifting weights and he does a comic, he's like kamikaze shot. Most people, you'd be like, oh, he's just playing it up for the camera. Dennis Rodman might have been drinking alcohol while he was lifting. I'm not sure what actually was going on there but that was that was incredible and then also so outside of Rodman Phil Jackson the way he managed him was so expert like to go 20 years for Phil Jackson without losing a without a losing season as an NBA coach was flat out unbelievable but the th- other things that stood out non uh Rodman related were obviously the bad boys And the question that I have that I think a lot of you have is look at the way the game was played in the late 80s. The Jordan rules, which were basically every time Jordan goes to a basket, the basket, we're going to hammer him with Rick Mahorn and with Bill Lambeer and with all of those dudes, John Sally a little bit, Dennis Rodman, all of those guys were thoroughly unlikable. And Jordan lost to them in 87, 
88, so, so 88, 89, and 90, I believe. Three straight years that they were eliminated, the Chicago Bulls, by the Detroit Pistons. And that 1990 game was game seven, where Scottie Pippen famously got the migraine and they got kind of run. And I remember being a fan of the NBA back in that age, and I was young. I was 10 or 11 years old. But if you remember that, the big discussion point really was is Michael Jordan capable of winning a championship? That was the big debate. And people forget that now if they're younger because Jordan's gone on and he win, ends up winning six titles. But the, the argument was for people who were anti-Jordan, oh, he's a showboat, oh, he's a scorer, but when push comes to shove, he can't actually win a championship. And so when he loses three years in a row to the Pistons, the question was, maybe what the Bulls need to do is be able to get home court advantage so they can then have the opportunity to play a game seven at home if they needed it. And then in 91, they came out and Jordan started lifting weights, as you saw in the offseason. First time he'd ever really lifted weights. And then they blew the Pistons off the court. I mean, there wasn't any, uh, there, there wasn't any ability of the Pistons in that series. And I remember watching it back in the day, but I thought... Jordan admitting that he was devastated after they lost that game seven, that he cried on the bus, and uh, and and so much, so many iconic lines from this episode. Don't effing whine, Jordan to Horace Grant. Like you can't whine because once you start whining, then everybody uh, everybody is going to know about uh, uh, that they've got into your head. And when they shoved Scottie Pippen into the stands. If you uh, if you watched last night and they said Pippen didn't do anything, he just got up and he continued playing and they even got, I think, John Sally to talk about it. It was like, oh, we can't even get in their head anymore. We're desperate. And then the Pistons leave without shaking hands and Jordan uh, saying and still being frustrated by Isaiah Thomas even years later. Uh, when he's when he when Isaiah Thomas is trying to explain it away by saying, "Well, you know, when we got past the Celtics, they walked off the court and they didn't really shake our hands." Uh, Jordan said, "You can show me whatever you want. You'll never convince me that he wasn't a bleep." Uh, and then uh, also we had a great quote uh, from uh, from Horace Grant. I can say this one: Horace Grant saying about the way the Pistons left the court, they were straight-up bitches. And I got to say, that's a perfect 1990s quote. I feel like back in the 90s and into the early 2000s, that was a standard go-to insult. You act like a straight-up bitch, right? It's kind of disappeared. I think it should probably come back. Probably should come back as like kind of the ultimate insult for a guy when he is behaving like the Pistons behaved as they walked off the court. That was such a 90s line from Horace Grant. And by the way, probably like a lot of you, I was sitting around being like, hey, when are we going to hear from Horace Grant? And I still wonder if we're going to be able to hear from Tony Kukoc ever because he's kind of probably the only good player we haven't heard from. But we broke out B.J. Armstrong, Horace Grant, John Paxson. And how about that shot? where you have Ron Harper getting interviewed. Notice, I don't know if Craig Elo turned down the uh, the opportunity to do the show. I hope Craig Elo's still alive. Dub, you can look it up and see if Craig Elo's still alive. But that shot that Jordan hit to get past Cleveland 
where they're talking about the fact, hey, I don't know that it makes sense for Craig Elo to be the guy trying to guard him. And Jordan's like, yeah, it didn't make sense, basically. And Ron Harper's still mad about it. Jordan gets the ball, three seconds left, hangs in the air, drains that shot. And that's really still one of the most iconic images that is out there. Uh, Craig Elo is still alive and well, so I'm glad Jordan didn't kill him with that shot. But when he's leaping in the air to celebrate and Elo is immediately sinking down in the big in the background, such an iconic shot. That's really the shot that really started to put Michael Jordan into iconic level superstardom. But everything about it, everything about it is absolutely fantastic. And Dub's telling me that right now, Elo is the color analyst for Washington State basketball. I can't believe they didn't get him on this documentary. That's a whiff. Maybe he didn't want to do it because he's like, I don't want to have to talk about the shot that defines me more than anything else. Craig Elo is a pretty good player. But everything about this episode was absolutely, I thought, fantastic. Just so well done. I want, I, you know, if this were Netflix, and this will be on Netflix in July if you haven't watched it yet, but I would be in bed like, hey, you know what? Let's go ahead and keep watching. And I'd probably right now go ahead and watch episodes 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10, and I'd be sitting here totally bleary-eyed, having gotten no sleep at all because I just keep watching the next next episode uh, clicker. And if I didn't watch it last night, I would definitely, I'd finish the radio show this morning, I'd go downstairs and I'd watch the rest of it. That's just how good it is. I mean, it is just absolutely fantastic, so utterly well done. So we're going to continue to talk about The Last Dance. By the way, Dan Wetzel is going to join us in Hour 2. Uh, and uh, we will talk about The Last Dance. We'll talk about the NFL draft. we got a lot to react to here on the Monday edition of the program. But I just, I can't, in, in the event that you are listening right now and you are not watching this Last Dance documentary, I, I, I just, I don't know what you, uh, what you are doing. But so many of these quotes, I wrote down a bunch of quotes. I just want to hit them uh, even more. Jordan on the Pistons. I hated them. I hate them today. Uh, What about the Doug Collins quote about uh, the play that he called? That was get the ball to Michael and everybody get the F out of the way. I I mean, just so many incredible lines. And how about it ending after uh, the win with Jerry Krause dancing? Uh, and, uh, on the uh, on the plane, just uh, just fantastic in all respects from Jerry Krause as well. Uh, so when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more uh, about the NFL draft, more about some positivity, by the way, that's out there about uh, the coronavirus. Maybe real sports will be back before long. All of that and more. This is Outkick the coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield 
wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service, they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts are knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, friendly. And by the way, I was just at O'Reilly not that long ago, within the last month, and guess what? Needed some help with the alternator, had some questions with the batteries, they helped me right away, and did it right there in the parking lot. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare hey it's jonas knox you've put it off long enough it's time to replace your tires tire rack has tires that will elevate your drive touring tires for commuter comfort performance tires for sporty handling all-terrain tires for on and off-road adventure go to tirerack.com to get started not sure where to begin use the tire decision guide to get a personalized tire recommendation the right tires for how what and where you drive Choose from the full line of BF Goodrich tires, shipped fast and free to a recommended installer near you, or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com sports to see their BF Goodrich test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires and a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. No limitations apply, honestly, to uh, the momentum that the return of sports is starting to get. Now, day-to-day numbers, and I've been trying to be as straightforward with you guys as I possibly can, you know that day-to-day numbers can fluctuate quite a bit in terms of uh, how people are responding to the coronavirus, right? Uh, And what I mean by that is, Uh, The data fluctuates. We're getting a lot more testing in general, which means that total number of of cases can uh, can be growing substantially uh, and and can kind of sometimes uh, start to confuse you a little bit. We got a lot of states that are starting to open back up in a big way. Uh, uh, We got Texas opening back up, Oklahoma, Colorado, Georgia, Tennessee starting to work their way back in South Carolina, back into the process of opening up. I think Montana, lots of different states, right? The overall trend lines are becoming incredibly positive. We had one of the lowest dates of total deaths in a very long time 
from the coronavirus on Sunday. In particular, the state of New York hit a low for the entire month of April. There's no doubt that the state of New York and that New Jersey and Connecticut, which are a little bit behind the state of New York, that they have hit their peak and they have begun to decline. The same thing also seems true in the Detroit area, in the state of Michigan. And in general, it appears almost every state has hit their peak in general, right? Not 100% certain. There's still a lot of moving parts in a country that has 330 million people like the United States. There are so many different day-to-day decisions that are made, tests that are taken, health health, uh, difficulties, all of those things, right? But the trend lines are right now incredibly positive in terms of the direction in which the virus is going. And I believe that a big part of that now is that we need to start to think about how to get back the NBA, how to get back Major League Baseball, the NHL, MLS, all these sports. We know already that uh, that it's very likely that we're going to have the UFC back and that we're going to have NASCAR back based on previous conversations. But I thought this was really interesting. I don't see it as a partisan issue. I don't see it as a Republican or a Democrat issue. I thought what I heard Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, the hardest hit state in the entire country, say yesterday about how he wanted baseball back and some of the challenges that might come with that. Listen to Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, talking in response to a question about whether baseball could come back. The Yankees, obviously, and the Mets are a big part of the New York City area sports marketplace. Here was Andrew Cuomo talking about it. Sports. Do you imagine, you know, Yankees games happening in an empty Yankee stadium this summer? Look, I asked. I asked these. The I've talked to the uh, many of the sports owners and uh, sports companies. Look, I don't know. It's not my business. I don't run. I don't know the economics. But if your choice was players stay home, I don't know what players get when they stay home by their contract. But assume the players are getting less money or no money, right? If you could make the economics work without the seat sales, right? And you could have teams play without the seat sales, but you had televised and you had the television revenue and whatever else went with that, you know, we're in a different place. You know, be creative, try to figure it out. But if players could get paid more than staying home, and owners will get some revenue versus total shutdown. Why not? I'd love to watch. Have you spoken to Mets and yes. Yankees? Yes. No, I've talked to a number of sports owners. I don't want to get into names. But it does depend. I know enough to know the economics of baseball a little different than the economics of basketball, a little different than the economics of other sports. So it, it would have to be up to them that they do an economic analysis that says, Yeah, some revenue is better than no revenue, and my players are willing to negotiate a a contract reduction. And if they could do it, yeah, but everybody has to think outside the box, right? Because there is no box. That was Andrew Cuomo, and again, that's one reason why I am so incredibly optimistic about sports coming back in this country, because it's not a partisan issue I think the Dana Whites, the Vince McMahons, uh, all of these guys who are working hard, whether it's the UFC or WWE, to get sports back, 
I think they deserve as much possible praise as we can give them. America's can-do spirit demands that sports come back sooner rather than later and we get back to a sense of normalcy. We'll talk more about Jordan, more about the NFL draft, and Dan Wetzel, Yahoo Sports National columnist. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Talked a lot about the NFL draft in hour one of the show. Hour two, I want to pivot a little bit. We're going to talk in the NFL draft with Dan Wetzel and how well I thought it went and how I thought just splendidly it was put together in general. And we're going to talk with him here in a uh, little bit. But first, I wanted to talk more about the Jordan documentary, in particular, uh, how well done I think this is and what it's saying and presenting for so many people out there who might otherwise not necessarily be that familiar with Michael Jordan. And it sounds crazy to say, but I put my own kids in this camp and uh, and being able to watch this documentary with them on Sunday. We watched a lot of the NFL draft on Thursday and Friday. In fact, I don't think we hardly missed a pick, me and the, my, my boys, on Thursday and Friday. We watched the NFL draft all day. Not as much on Saturday. Weather was good. We got outside with them a little bit, uh, and they were running around. But on Sunday night, uh, one of the cool things I would say about the quarantine in general uh, in terms of time you get to spend with your family is, I don't know about you guys, but a lot of times when uh, the frenzy of day-to-day activity is going on with your kids, uh, I've got, like I said, a 12 and 9 and a 5-year-old. We got Little League Baseball, which, by the way, our entire season has been canceled for both boys, so that's not going to happen. We've got uh, my, my one of my sons plays in chess team, right? Uh, we've got uh, basketball. We've got uh, all different sorts of kid-related activities that are often going on and very busy on the weekends. Not to mention, you know, my wife and I will go out to dinner or we've got friends uh, that we'll hang out with as well. But for the past six weeks or so, we've been in the house almost every night. Uh, and, and in fact, we have been in the house every night. Uh, and we've watched a lot of movies together. And so for instance, on Friday and Saturday or Thursday and Friday night, we watched the draft. That's what the whole family got around. We had pizza. We watched the draft. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and then, and again, I thought the NFL did a splendid job putting on the draft. And then on Saturday night, one of the things I've been trying to get my oldest two boys to do is read more. And so I've got them reading the Harry Potter books in a way to try to encourage them to read more and play Madden less because I don't know about your kids, but my kids would play Madden video game. My youngest would play Minecraft. Like they would play video games all day long. And I'm not one of these parents out there who's like, oh, you know, your brain's going to be rotted if you played video games. Because I grew up in the Mike Tyson punch out, Tecmo Bowl, Major League Baseball, RBI Baseball. Like I grew up in that era playing all those games leading into the early variations of Madden, NBA Jam, all that stuff I grew up playing. So my parents might well have thought, oh, that's going to rot your brains like video games are the devil. Well, I, my generation of parents now, we grew up on video games. I think we turned out okay. I think the kids are probably going to turn out okay. It doesn't mean I want them sitting around playing video games all day. And so being able to share things. So we watched the Harry Potter movie, uh, Sorcerer's Stone, episode one, with the whole family, and they loved it, right? Because the kids both finished the first Harry Potter book. And so we watched that. We're trying to encourage them to watch more movies together. But we watch movies basically 
three or four nights of the week we've watched movies together. Whole family movie, whole family sits around. It reminds me a little bit of my youth when the 1980s, when everybody watched the same thing on television. You know how we've reached this new era where everybody has something that's made specifically for them? But it used to be I was a member of the Cosby Show, Family Ties, Generation, Growing Pains, Who's the Boss, whatever those shows were that we all grew up watching. Sit down and all watch them together. Your grandma could watch it. Your eight-year-old sister could watch it. Mom and dad could watch it. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Everybody sits down and watches the same show. It's kind of what we're doing now. And that's how I felt about this Michael Jordan documentary for a second straight Sunday where we built the whole evening around everybody's going to sit down and watch this story about Michael Jordan and the 1990s Bulls. And my kids are enraptured by it because the 1990s are far enough away to them that it seems really old, right? Like my nine-year-old is like, Dad, they didn't even have a three-point line when Michael Jordan was playing in college. I'm like, yeah, you know, the three-point line used to not be on the basketball court. He's like, what? What are you talking? That's crazy. So Steph Curry could have been shooting. Yeah, Steph Curry could have been shooting from anywhere. It only cost to count two points. When Steph Curry's dad started playing basketball, there was no three-point line at all. And he's like, oh, my God. You know, his world is just blown. His mind is blown. But they've heard about Jordan as being kind of this legendary character and to be able to sit and basically not know the stories that well. They don't know what's going to happen in the series against the Detroit Pistons. So they're watching it if you're young and you're not like a hardcore student of basketball history, which most young kids aren't. They know what's happened in their era. Then they're watching it and they're like, oh my God. The Pistons were just hammering Michael Jordan. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, they didn't have flagrant ones and flagrants two, and people didn't flop in the NBA back in the day like it's soccer. And they're just like enraptured by the entire process. And I got to say, it is just so incredibly well done, even for people like me, to take me back in time because I was a young kid when I had an opportunity to watch Jordan. I was rooting as hard as you can root for anybody for Michael Jordan to get past the Detroit Pistons. And I remember watching those games like as, as as much and as aggressively as I could as a fan. And I just remember that feeling of being a young kid and watching Jordan win his first title against the Magic Johnson era Lakers. Granted, the Lakers were injured. I know there's people out in LA like, well, that wasn't the real, yeah, okay injuries on that Lakers team, but the beginning of the Michael Jordan era, we saw him kind of rising to prominence. And I talked about in hour one, probably talk about it more in hour three as well, that a huge part of Jordan's ascension was predicated on other people being willing to be the villains and letting him be the superstar. But man, I got to tell you, I absolutely loved it. A lot of great sports television for a family for a change in this uh, weekend, this Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. 
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts. You know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Redestein tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended and installer near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerackcom sports to see their redestine test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerackcom sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be we bring in Yahoo Sports national columnist Dan Wetzel to join us now. Dan, appreciate you joining us. Uh, I thought you nailed it with your column, and I think it's something that, that we talked about on the show, but also that many people felt as well. The NFL has gotten a lot of criticism over the last several years because they are sort of the elephant in the room. It's easy to just kind of take swings at them and point out things that they did wrong. But, man, I thought they delivered, and ESPN and the NFL Network and all of the, all the prognosticators and everything else, pretty much a fantastic sports viewing opportunity for many of us around the country on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. 
and I know you did as well. How did they manage to get this so right? Well, I don't know if they had a, you know, they, they, they had a choice. It was like, this is what we have. And then it, it just worked. I thought, I thought it was so well, it just, it it was, I've gone to uh, a lot of drafts for the last 20 years and they're really boring in person. The green room is a really like tense, awkward place. Yep. Um, everyone's dressed up. It's almost like they're not comfortable there's camera. It's just, it's just an awkward place. And so when we got rid of that by going into the, the prospects houses, and I only do that some later in the draft, but to do it on all of them and then to have fairly small crowds because of the, the quarantine, I just thought it was great. You just really saw what you almost saw what these guys were about. And, and, and like, this is their family and this is their living room. And this is, how they dress and this is their value. It was just real. I think yeah. that was kind of it. And you just, you know, Hey, there's grandma. Look at that. She's ha-, you know, and you could just, you could just feel like you were one of them. And, and then at the same time, you're looking into the homes of the GMs and the coaches. And so you have almost the same thing. And all of a sudden you'll go, Oh, wow. I, you know, I didn't know, uh, you know, gosh, Matt Rule's kids are little daughters are cute, and you know, like uh, yeah. you know, like just people and, and the different. It's just the different stuff. Cliff Kingsbury's house and Jerry Jones's yacht and Mike Zimmer with a roaring fire and Belichick throwing his dog on there to be funny and you know, just <laughs> it, I just thought it was great. You didn't know what was yeah. coming next, and it wasn't canned, produced. It wasn't like. Look at these fireworks. These are exciting. It was like, no, this is pretty exciting. So I just thought it was terrific. I thought Goodell was like the everyman, like in, in a very unexpected way. Uh, other than like the, the, the fans booing and the little thing, um, you know, I, I thought almost every gimmick they came up with worked. I'm with you, and, uh, and and I know, look, I was at the big spectacle in Nashville last year because it's my hometown. 600,000 people were there. Uh, I was there on multiple days. I took my family down on the opening Thursday of the first round to be able to watch it. The atmosphere was phenomenal. It was electric. It was exhilarating. It felt right last year. This felt right this year, you know? I mean, and I, I thought the uh, the tone was set from the first draft pick when we go into the home of Joe Burrow and he's sitting on a couch between his mom and his dad, and that's it. You know, like, I mean, in his 704, represent the region of Ohio that he's from. And I thought that, uh, you know, it, for the most part, there were some exceptions, but I thought for the most part we eliminated a lot of the hangers-ons. And, uh, and, and I think it kind of reflects what people have in their own life going on right now, which is a lot of the bells and whistles are gone and you kind of strip it back down to the basics. I don't know about you. I know you got two daughters. I'm sure you're around with the house with them a ton. I got three sons, uh, you know, spending an inordinate amount of time with them, but it's almost like in this, uh, in this sort of crazy web of external chaos, you in some way recognize how important the people are who are closest to you. And a lot of the noise disappears. And and I feel like a lot of the time you see these draft parties, oh, there's 50 people there, there's 100 people there. Right. And you might care about those people and you might be glad that they're there, but they're not all integral to your day-to-day life. I feel like for many of us, and maybe most of us, we basically strip back everything to the integral moments of our life. And I thought for the coaches and GMs, you know, seeing their kids, I thought was fantastic for the owner seeing, you know, a lot of their grandkids sometimes in the shots, if they were in the shot, uh, was great. And 
Uh, and, and I just thought it was a really, really good look for the NFL, which oftentimes seems like this big corporate leviathan, and it humanized what is oftentimes a very business-like environment. Yeah, you know, the NFL is the ultimate, like, there's no such thing as excess, right? It's like right. they want it all. Hey, NFL, for your Super Bowl halftime, would you like J-Lo or Shakira? We'll take both. Right. You know, like, that's their mindset. <laughs> so yeah, that's a great point. They want the craziest stuff, and it, this was supposed to be Vegas. And, yeah, it, it just, there was a simplicity to it. And um, even, it, you know, it just, it at the Borough one was so, so understated it's just mom dad and joe and and you know we were laughing on you know on our podcast like you live the american dream you're the number one draft pick in the nfl and you're gonna be in vegas like you're gonna celebrate the number one draft pick in vegas uh no sorry that night's out you're gonna go to your boyhood bedroom (laughs) (laughs) you have to like sharing a wine with your mom, right? Yeah. <laughs> you got any like white wine still in the fridge, but you know, at the end of the day, that's a special thing too. And so it, it just, I just thought it was cool. Um, there were so many funny things, things you couldn't believe, you know, just out of like, you know, um, Jordan Love had like takeout in front of him. I think yeah. like, like there's murals on the wall and t-shirts and just, you just, uh, you know, some of them made balloons. It just was, I just thought it was terrific. Like I said, it was real. It was, it was, uh, it was just hard to turn away. You just want to see what was next. Um, I was really fearful that the broadcast would be one of these like Brady Bunch uh, Zoom calls where everyone's talking over each other. I thought right. Trey Wingo was phenomenal at just directing traffic, uh, considering the logistics. I wouldn't even know how they pulled this thing off with all of these these videos from around the country. Um, again, I, I thought it, I, it got absolutely got the highest ratings ever for a draft. Obviously part of that is we're sports starved and stuck inside. But I also think the product was so good that people didn't turn away. And then they tuned in again for, for, for Friday night and then tuned in again in record numbers on Saturday for rounds of the draft that, you know, really don't matter. Most of these guys aren't going to make the team. So just a terrific job by, by it. And, uh, just a really good thing by the NFL, and I'm glad they, they stuck to it, did their draft, stuck with their schedule, and um, you know humanized the, the players, the coaches, the GMs in ways we've never really seen. All right, I talked about this already, but I think it's an important lesson for people who are making decisions. If the NFL had made decisions based on the Twitter comments, right, when they decide, hey, we're going to stick to free agency – or we're going to stick to the regular schedule of the NFL draft. Even some of the most well-known media people who cover the NFL, Adam Schefter, for example, said it was an awful decision by the NFL to keep the draft where it was. He went on ESPN and ripped them for it, and then, of course, ended up being a part of the draft. Uh, Mike (laughs) Mike Florio... I think said this is going to be a disaster like that will live in infamy if they decide to keep NFL free agency uh, going. And then 15.6 million people tune in on Thursday, blowing the audience out of the water. I got to give the NFL credit for doing it, but also not listening to the noise. So here's the big question for you. Have sports leagues learned anything during this process about how often what is 
getting a lot of tension on social media doesn't actually represent their meat and potatoes audience or do you think they'll remain sort of in the fetal position worried all the time about what people are going to say on social media going forward and the reason why I ask it is it's a big deal for the NBA or the MLS or Major League Baseball or the NHL to come back they may get ripped by some people online for making that decision but I think the marketplace is speaking in terms of the audience for the last dance, which we're going to get to in a minute, or the audience for the NFL draft. General American public is not on Twitter. Joe Sixpack isn't sitting around saying, no, no, you can never put sports on television again. He wants to watch. Twitter is a, just a total waste of time. I mean, it really is. Even something that gets like, you know, if you got a thousand um, – comments back to a tweet and you scrolled through that yeah it would feel like 20 million yeah i mean it, it just would feel like you are getting buried and you know it's because sometimes thousand, that happens. i've done that yeah sometimes it happens to you sometimes it happens to me and you're like oh my god when you're in the middle of it if you actually yeah. check check your mentions you can be like oh my god the whole world is reacting to this right now and that's how it feels when it hits your phone and frankly i think that's how it feels if you're Roger Goodell or you're the NFL's head of yeah. PR or somebody else, they're like, oh, my God, look at what all these people are saying. But it's not the real world. It's 1,000 people. That's right. It's 1,000 people. There's 300 million. It's like stepping outside in a downpour and going, oh, my God, build an arc. And then the cloud moves away in five minutes and nothing happens. That Your lawn got nicely watered. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it, but it feels that way because the in way the, moment. the medium is set up. Yes. You spin the wheel. And, it's and, like, the, way the, and the way the media covers it, to be fair, because they cover right. Twitter reactions cover as, Twitter, as if yeah. they're representative of the real world. Laziest thing ever is like so, uh, someone's getting heat on Twitter for something. It could be anything, right? And then, you, and then it's like they, they, they quote three tweets. And, and who yeah. knows if they're even real people? I mean, they're bots, and there's, there's literally, you know, obviously we have huge campaigns to do stuff and, and – it's just the whole thing's absurd. So, no, you should never listen to Twitter. There was a concept. I mean, there were two things going on. One, the NFL, there was the old school NFL GM that was going, I can't do this. I can't get to the, the Texas A&M Pro Day. How am right. I going to scout these players? And it was a bunch of garbage. Deal with it, okay? We all got to do different things. Watch right. more tape. And then at the end, if you talk to all these guys Saturday and Sunday, which I've, I've done, did a bunch of, they're like, this was great. I got time with my kids. I actually think I was a better scout. I yeah. watched tape, then I went and had a tea party with my four-year-old daughter, and I went back up and watched more tape. They right. weren't missing these things at all. They were going, you know what, I didn't fly to the Oklahoma State uh, Pro Day only to see the guy I was interested in get picked to before me, knowing I wasted 48 hours, right? Like, they, they liked it. And they're looking and going, there's a better work balance here. Maybe yes. we can do. Now, I don't think that'll happen. The other was, people are dying, and this is going to be tone deaf. And I was like, anybody who behooves, anyone, yes, people are dying. People are dying all the time. And it's 50, you know, this is terrible, okay? No, under mine. This is absolutely ridiculous. People are dying nonstop. It's horrible. Nobody is in favor. Take it out on Joe Burrow. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
Nobody is in favor of death. That's the de- That's the flip side to this. If there's an argument out there, especially on social media, where if you do anything, it's like you don't care about people. Die- no, everybody wishes that we were all immortal. I don't want to die. You don't want to die. You don't want your parents to die. I don't want my parents to die. I certainly don't want any of my kids to die. I would sign the papers right now for everybody in the world to be immortal if I could. That's not real life, right? And so... For those of us who are out there, sports are an important escape oftentimes from real life, and I feel like that is getting missed in the overall conversation. It's not saying that sports are more important than life. It's certainly not saying that sports are overshadowing more serious things in life. Sports always have been and always will be the toy chest of life, but you know your kids still play with toys even while chaos is going on outside of the house. And adults like to kick back and watch Netflix or watch uh, their favorite sporting events the same as they would if, even if things weren't as bad. Uh, absolutely. And, and, and back in the day during wars and during depressions, they made sure sports leagues stayed open. Right? You remember the That's movie right. um, A League of Their Own? They made yeah. the girls a professional baseball league because people in, in Rockford, Illinois, need something to do at night. And there's something about, you know, this the World War II sucks and it's a grind and I'm worried about my two sons are over, but at least I can tune into the Dodger game at 8 o'clock and, and it takes my mind off it. If, you, if anyone was going to take, like, how can you possibly, Joe Burrow, celebrate when someone's dying? It's absurd. Someone's getting married. Someone's buying a car. Someone's doing whatever. Is it okay if I sit there and watch HGTV all night or something like that? Is that okay? What's okay? Well, look, we didn't stop. We room? didn't stop sports during the Vietnam War, right? And yeah. and I mean, it was obviously probably the last massive chaotic event in terms of pulling people yeah, in through a draft. Nine eleven stopped it for four days. Nine eleven, which was a cataclysmic event for everybody out there. And that I was always... just until we figured out security. I was That's the right. weekend after. I was at a college. I was at South Bend, Indiana, for the Notre Dame football game. Notre Dame, like Michigan, or Notre Dame, somebody. And then, and it was, an, it was a brilliant scene. They did an unbelievable job. I'll never forget. They put the flag up and drop at the half mast, and it's a beautiful day, and it's mournful, and it's, it was wonderful. You know? Yes. It, it was a way to honor. And, now, and a lot of people the idea remember. Reg- stop this. Regardless of your uh, politics, a lot of people remember George W. Bush going out and throwing the first pitch, right? Like in a flak jacket. Uh, and, and what it meant for national cohesion and also national mourning, right? Coming together in large groups is is a cathartic moment for many people. And, uh, and, and it was an important emblem of we're going to be through this and normalcy is going to prevail in some way sooner or later, right? And so you've written this, but I think this is important. Like Dana White, uh, Vince McMahon, whatever you may think of the WWE, I actually believe these guys deserve more credit for trying to make it happen. You pointed out, look, Dana White could easily, as a rich guy, same thing for Vince McMahon, just have kicked back and said, hey, I'm disappearing for a couple of months. We don't need to put on any events at all. But the American spirit is about finding a way, and those guys have found ways, in theory, to get their sports back in front of the community. Yeah, I think they all should. I, mean, I talked to Dana White about it when he's trying the first one that ended up getting, you know, he couldn't pull off. But he's like, I live in, you know, he, he's, he's a, I don't know, hundreds of millions of dollars. So I got a gym in my house. I got a movie theater. Yeah. I got pools. I got it. I'm fine. I can do this forever. But that's not what I'm. That's not what we should be doing. And so 
I just think in any single business we have out there is try to find a way to do it safely. Yeah. Don't do it recklessly, but don't do it safely. Can you open whatever business you have the moment you're allowed to? Can you figure out how to do it? And that's what I think every business is trying to do. Some of them are going, I can't do it. There's, there's states right now that are open. I, I read like Georgia, you can be, your bowling alley can be open. Well, some of the bowling alley guys are like, I can't do it. They're not open. That's fine. Other ones are like, I think we figured it out. Fine. Open up. Whatever you can do safely, you should do. The idea that they were going to, was, this was going to be a, an insult, I just thought was, was completely missing the mark on, on the NFL draft. It was, a, it was a great moment. It was a celebratory moment. It's a hopeful event always. It's a celebratory event always. It's everybody thinks they did great. Every player get picked thinks they're making the all, they're going to be an all pro. Every team thinks thinks they just got seven great players, right? Yep. What's the great line? I thought my second round pick would I get him in the first I, round? I never. Know, we season. never thought. We never thought this guy was going to be there in all of our right. mock drafts. Every single every player team. that's ever been drafted, the the team never then, thought they were going to be here's there. Here's mom. Here's dad. I wrote in my column. It, this was about the home team, right? The home team, but both sides, and everyone roots for the home team because this is everyone was sitting in their home. It was a great event, and so whatever that criticism was. But in terms of Twitter, Twitter is the biggest garbage indicator of what's going on in the world because of the way it's set up. A little bit seems like a lot, and and in a country of 370 million in a world of whatever seven billion, uh, a couple hundred Twitter comments. Yeah, are still just a couple hundred people. And uh, can you, I can go stand on the corner in Manhattan, well, normally, I can you know, right yeah. now, and scream and reach a couple hundred people. That's yeah. it. Uh, are you good coming back to finish out the, uh, the, the hour with us? Sure. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Continental Tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com sports to see their Continental test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires and a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Dan Wetzel with us now. Dan, we were just talking about the NFL draft, but Michael Jordan, uh, Dennis Rodman, Steve Kerr, uh, you got all different sorts of people. Scottie Pippen, uh, the storylines are pretty amazing from those late 90s Bulls teams. Uh, I don't remember, I don't even know. I mean, you're not that much different in age than me. Were you covering any of the NBA at all during the Jordan era dynasty with uh, with Phil Jackson's team? I was at the final uh, this year. I don't want to give away the plot. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler: They make the finals. Um, I was at the finals um, that year, and I did cover Jordan a, a, a little bit uh, to the tail end of his uh, of his career, and I have I have some in his, his role as an executive. Have you ever seen anything like Because a lot of people, it blows my mind. This is where I start to think, man, I'm starting to get to be an old guy. There are 25 and 26-year-olds out there right now, which, you know, frankly, you're not that young when you're 25 or 26. You know, we're not talking about 12 or 13-year-olds. 25 or 26-year-olds out there listening to us right now who never remember seeing Michael Jordan play a game, right? Uh, so they are watching this documentary now, and they've heard dad or they've heard grandpa or they've heard their uncle or maybe their older brother or sister, whoever it is. They've heard them kind of talk about Jordan in this kind of legendary way, but they haven't actually seen him play. Uh, I keep trying to tell my kids who watched last night with me, particularly the 12 and 9-year-olds, just how big of a rock star Michael Jordan and these Bulls were. Can you even put into words, like who would you say in a modern era is even close to the Jordan era Bulls? Kids in their early twenties, they barely, they might barely remember the Shaq Kobe. Lakers. Yeah, that's a good so point if too. Old, if you want to feel yeah. old, it's um, college freshmen were born after nine eleven. You know, I mean, it's, yeah, that know, blows it's, my mind it's, too. Because we, we were talking we about nine really eleven earlier. Yeah, yeah, like what was that? Yeah, so I remember um, this. This this was like a a, a woe moment for me. Uh, I was talking with a bunch of Tennessee college kids, and uh, and I was like, it suddenly hit me. Uh, this was like last year, two years ago that they have no recollection of like Tennessee football ever being good, right? They like, they don't remember Peyton Manning. 
Like they don't remember right. Phil Fulmer, the 1998 national championship. It might as well be 1948 to them, right? Like it doesn't. And uh, and I remember that those ages. Like I remember my dad talking about players in the 1970s, and I was like, Dad, I wasn't even born. You know, I don't care about any of those old guys. You know, and now I'm thinking, you know, when you mentioned Tim Tebow people sometimes give you a blank stare they're like oh the guy's uh, playing baseball you know like they don't remember his college career which is wild to think about too yeah my i got a one of my dogs we were watching uh espn and there was a peyton manning thing on and then he had eli with him and she goes she's yeah. like he has a brother my god like, here we go <laughs> yeah that's fantastic right, so where were we <laughs> i I, as are your as girls watching team? are your girls watching this documentary at all are they interested in any way on it well, um, my older one, but she's a Piston fan, so she does not. She was trained not to like the Bulls. Yeah, right. Okay, so as was in the in the segment, and uh, her favorite, she became an NBA fan because there's a thirty for thirty on the Bad Boys, which is yeah. two hours long and it's tremendous. It's a great. It's a great. And my um, wife is from Detroit and grew up a fan of the Pistons as well. So I like that whole area. Detroit. I'm not a Detroit fan. I was not a Piston fan growing up, but. Um, but I live here now and she's a Piston fan and we go to Piston games, but, um, the bad boy, if you're looking for a companion viewership, you can kind of watch the other side of the story, right? <laughs> yes. I think some of the Pistons Cause they're the like, clear villain. Jerry Krause, Jerry Krause gets a pass for a change after being the true villain of episode one and two, the yeah. bad boys yeah. are clearly the villains right now well, of the American the sports landscape. The yeah. 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 Um, I, you know, look, Brady, you know, uh, you know, if LeBron had been on one team or, or, you know, the way you go to a Golden State game, I mean, none of these were quite as big as Jordan because he was just so huge. But, like, the way the arena, if you, if anybody out there went to see Golden State when they're rolling pregame, there would be 3,000, 4,000 people there to watch Steph Curry dribble and warm up. Right, like and and shoot around, like like they came to like left. people came to watch McGuire back before we knew he batting was a steroids practice. guy yeah. to watch batting practice, right? Like just like, to watch the know, ball get launched into the crowd. Yeah, there'd just be thousands of people in the arena two hours before the game just to watch Steph Curry dribble with two balls, and, yeah. and you're like, God, this is unbelievable. This is a this is a rock show, right? Um, the Bulls were that all the way. I mean, Jordan was so famous and and so intimidating yet so approachable at times um and, and just the the magnitude of the fame because there were so few television channels so few magazines and newspapers and he was the one that just was on it all the time and he was the there were so few commercials that, and he was in them all so it's like you know the magazine shows that he's on the cover of sports Illustrated. he's on the cover of of the USA Today, he's on your, he's in your local paper. He's, he's the game you're watching, and so the ratings are bigger. Everything was so big. Um, so I think there was, there's a little bit of Tom Brady in that. I think you know wherever Tom and, and the Patriots went was was very very significant. But and you also got you got a little bit. You certainly get this with Patriots right now, and you, you do get it with the, some of the, the Warriors. When you go to the opposing arena, you, you know a third of the place is wearing Jordan jerseys. Right. You know, um, I used to say, like, if you had Bulls tickets, you only, you know, you, you, you only get it. You get the, 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 the guys going to the game always had a lot better looking dates at the game. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> the girl. Oh, I mean, I, I, I say now, like, with you, yes, like, yeah, I'll go to the Bulls game. OK, yeah. I'll do that. Yeah. Okay. No, I, so, I, I said the same thing for like big college football games. 
uh, you have like, uh, I'll talk to my friends and they'll be like, oh, you know, we're not taking the kids to the big games, right? Or you talk to the yeah. women and they're yeah. like, oh, this is a, this is a, you know, rival, rival dress that I'm wearing today. Like for big college football games in the South, you talk to a girl, she'll be like, oh, you know, if you're an Alabama fan, she's like, oh, this is my Auburn dress. This is not right, my right. Western, not my Western Carolina right. dress. I'm saving right. the A game for the A game game, right? I mean, yeah. like people do that. And it is like that when Jordan would come to town, it's like the circus is coming to town or, you know, like uh, uh, the Rolling Stones back in the day or Beyonce or whoever the biggest act is. It's like, oh my God, like they are really coming here. And uh, and and I just, I, I think, and, and I talked about this to start off the hour and I'm curious whether you agree with this. One of the most interesting things about Jordan in general, and you kind of hinted at it with the Pistons, is most big superstars, they have a foil. And what I mean by that is, like, you were either a Tom Brady guy or you were a Peyton Manning guy, right? You were Phil Mickelson or you were Tiger Woods. You were, even in the NBA, Magic Johnson or you were Larry Bird. It was like Jordan and there was nobody else on his level. And that's relatively rare, right? Uh, in the world of sports. And not only did Jordan not really have anybody else on his level, there were a series of people, one after the other, who was willing to play villain against him, right? So you had the bad boys who are the black hats, right? Like, they're the bad guys. Jordan's the white hat. And then you had Reggie Miller, Charles Barkley, uh, a little bit of Gary Payton, right? Like These are guys that seem comfortable in their own skin being, quote-unquote, the bad guy. And we really don't see that nowadays. And that was huge for Jordan elevating his brand. It wasn't 100% accurate, but Jordan was, you know, the Wild West guy with the six-shooter who had the heart of gold. And everybody else he was going up against were, you know, the, they were going to have the OK, Dura- OK Corral duel, and, and they were the bad guy. Right. And it was really the Pistons were the only ones that really were able to take it down, other than the early days. Celtics um, when Jordan's team wasn't there, but the, right. the Pistons were able to do it with that physical style and that leadership, and they were such an amazing team. And Isaiah Thomas is one of the most underrated players in the history of the National Basketball League, part uh, because uh, basketball association, um, part because Jordan hated them, and Jordan froze them out of the Dream Team, and Jordan, they hated he hated the Pistons that rivalry was not just a little bit that was all the way there they were beating off bill lambeer and rick mahorn just these perfect foils but that team was great and they were able to stop them and then that was an era when it was like it, it kept happening and it was like can the celtics get past the uh the sixers and then they did and then it, then the celtics and lakers are going and it was, can the Celtics can the pistons get past the celtics and then they did and then it was can the bulls get past the the Pistons, and they did, and then it was like, can the Knicks get past the Bulls? No, they couldn't. And and you had these just multi-year kind of war, basketball wars going on that were just phenomenal. And so that was why you had that uh, that similar, like, can Peyton Manning ever get past Belichick and Brady? And then That's they right. did. And and it, you had that. And so it was a, it was a great thing where you didn't have to watch all year and be like, oh, I'm going to watch that series. Um, and obviously you had these huge personalities. And I, what I appreciate out of the Pistons is they didn't – everyone else is, you know, genuflecting to, to, to Michael Jordan. And then it's like, yeah, we don't care. We yeah. just don't care. He's a great player, but we don't care. We're going to be We got Isaiah, we got our guys. And I think that's what uh, made it such a great rivalry. 
Dan Wetzel, it's been fantastic. Appreciate the time this morning. Thanks for getting up early with us. At Dan Wetzel on Yahoo Sports. On Twitter, you can read him at Yahoo Sports pretty much every day. Appreciate my man. Talk to you soon. Take care. Have a good one. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Well, we had the end of the NFL draft, and a lot of you watched. Biggest crowd that has ever watched the NFL in the history of uh, of the NFL draft, at least the recent history of the NFL draft. Uh, it was a uh, epic viewing experience, I thought. Draft ratings up 37% on day one, 40% on day two, 32% on day three. And as if that were not enough on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we also had an incredible, absolutely incredible two episodes of The Last Dance that aired last night from 9 to 11 Eastern. And I'm going to give Danny G here an opportunity. For those of you who didn't watch, here's a couple of minutes of the best cuts from Michael Jordan, from uh, many of the uh, many of the stars of this documentary, Dennis Rodman. If you didn't watch or you haven't seen it yet, I don't know what you're doing with your life, but here's just a little bit of what you missed last night. Fire away, Danny G. Second or third year in the league, I actually figured out what I can do best, rebound and play defense. Basically, I just started learning how to perfect that. I just used to have my friends late at night, three, four in the morning, go to the gym. I said, shoot the ball. I said, shoot over here, shoot over here, shoot over there, shoot over there. I just sit there and react, react. I just practice a lot about the angle of the ball and the trajectory of it. You got a Larry Bird, it's going to spin. You got a, a Magic, and maybe spin. When Michael shoot over here, I position myself right there. Now I hit the rim, it's boom, uh. Click and go back this way. Boom, here, here. Click and go that way. Boom, that way. Click here and go back this way. So basically, I just started learning how to put myself in a position to get the ball. Dennis hadn't accepted the role that Scotty wasn't going to be around, and we needed you to be more accountable. I need to count on you. So around that time, we had a game, and he gets kicked out for some And I'm livid because he gets kicked out of the game. He leaves me out there by myself because Scotty's not playing. And Dennis knew he He knew he screwed up. I hear someone knocking on my door at the hotel. Now, Dennis never comes in my room. And he comes and says, man, you got an extra cigar. I went to Michael Jones' room and for a cigar, but... But I think that he knew the fact that, you know, that I think that's probably his way of me showing him that, you know, man, my 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 bad. He didn't say apology. He didn't say anything. But by him coming to my room, it was his way of saying, look, man, I f***ed up. And from that point on, Dennis was straight as an arrow. And we started to win. All you got to do is you go back to us losing in game seven. I shook everybody's hand. Two years in a row, we shook their hands when they beat us. There was a certain respect to the game that we paid to them. That's sportsmanship. No matter how much it hurts, and believe me, it hurt, but they didn't have to shake our hands. We knew we whipped their ass already. we gotten past them, and that was the most, that's, that to me, that was better than, you know, in some ways winning a championship. 
I know you loved it, Danny G. I know Dub and Eddie Garcia. I know everybody loved this show. And it feels like it's just continuing to get better and better. And there were so many things that stood out to me about The Last Dance. Uh, In particular, I'm going to go in order as I took notes. Um, it It was wild to see so many of these uh so many of these great quotes. First of all, we started off with uh with the great line from Gary Payton about Dennis Rodman uh saying that he was <laughs> that he was basically just the F up person. Like he existed on the basketball court just to F up everything, which I thought was a fantastic way to explain Dennis Rodman. But what about the quote from Chuck Daly, who said, You don't put a saddle on a Mustang and again, I didn't really know a lot of the Dennis Rod. I mean, you know, you forget over the years the Dennis Rodman story, but Dennis Rodman came out of this southeastern Oklahoma state, and he was the 27th pick overall. It seems to me you used to find a lot more diamonds in the rough in the NBA than happens now. And the diamonds in the rough now in the NBA might have mostly moved overseas where you know the 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 NBA is such a global game now it was relatively rare although you know you had Tony Kukoc on the Bulls and you had there were a couple of shots where you saw Vlade Divac and you were just like Vlade remember remember him but you had guys like Scottie Pippen come out of Central Arkansas that nobody knew early on but they were noticeable enough that they were first round draft picks and I know you can point to some guys who are uh, who are first-round draft picks now that kind of come out of nowhere. John Morant would be an example. But John Morant went to Murray State. I mean, he played in the NCAA tournament. It's not like he was truly an unknown. I mean, when you think about Central Arkansas and Southeastern or Southwestern Oklahoma State or whatever, the Southeastern Oklahoma State, I mean, I didn't even know those schools, a lot of you would not even know that they exist. Does Southeastern Oklahoma State even exist still anymore? I have no idea. I think it does. I know Southeast Missouri State, but I'm not sure I knew Southeast Oklahoma State even exists. So the Rodman story in and of itself, I feel like could be explored a lot more. But the fact that Rodman connected the bad boy era Pistons and also the final three dynasty years of the Chicago Bulls was, I thought, pretty fascinating. And the Jordan rules, for those of you out there who are young, that don't remember the 88, 89, 90 years for the uh, for the Detroit Pistons when they were sort of the kings of the NBA and the beatdown that they put on Michael Jordan back in the day. And this is one of the, we talk a lot about players and wondering how they do in the future. This is one of those situations I would really like to see how LeBron would do. I know he's big and he's strong and he's tough and he's physically imposing, but how would LeBron have fit in in the 80s era NBA? Because LeBron now is a flop artist. Like you barely touch him and he goes down like he got hit by a two by four. What would have happened to LeBron if the NBA players had hit him like they hit Jordan? Would he have been physically as tough, mentally as tough as Jordan had to be 
as that process went on. I don't know. I feel like Jordan, his game would translate incredibly well to the modern NBA. People say, what do you mean by that? Like, if you watch the way that you were able to defend in the NBA back in the day, you could get your hands all over a guy. And if you watch the way that Jordan got to the basket, even with guys able to basically lean on him, you know, they call that hand check foul in the NBA all the time, right? I mean, you can't put your hands on a guy hardly at all. And James Harden, guys like James Harden have obviously become flop artists as a result. But I feel like Jordan would have been almost unstoppable early in his career at getting to the basket. Now, he would have to develop a lot better outside shot than he had. But I feel like the way that he would be able to be defended now would be so much weaker than the way that he was back then that he'd be able to get to the basket so much, so much easier. And also, think about the number of free throws that Jordan would shoot. I mean, James Harden is on the free throw line all the time. Some of those hits that Jordan took and his ability to finish by the rim is still without parallel, I think, in even the modern-day NBA. So I'm actually more intrigued by the question of how would LeBron do going back in time in a physical NBA than I am how Jordan would do in a much less physical NBA. I don't have any doubts at all that Jordan would do incredibly well in an NBA that was much less physical than the one that he played in. Uh, I also think that Jordan would find like the load management era of the NBA just simply unbearable. I mean, this is a guy who went out and played the hardest that he possibly could throughout. But in order, my thoughts on the last dance, the iconic Jordan shot over Craig Elo, uh, the fact that Jordan is then screaming, go home, blank, blank, go home. And then whoever's not with us, you blank, go to hell. I mean, that I know we think of sort of this anodyne, uh, inoffensive Michael Jordan, and I actually find the Michael Jordan from The Last Dance to be just absolutely spectacular. I love this honest level of Michael Jordan. I love that when he was asked about, about the Pistons, that he said, I hated them, I hate them today. And the fact that the Pistons acknowledged that the NBA wanted Jordan to win because they wanted to pass that baton from Larry and Magic on to Michael. David Stern and the NBA were smart enough to know that Jordan was the next global icon and the Pistons recognized, hey, we are not the face of the NBA that this league wants. Uh, but I, I thought that that was uh, interesting to hear the Pistons acknowledge. Doug Collins, think about Doug Collins. How much different is Doug Collins' reputation if he doesn't get forced out and get promote get Phil Jackson promoted over him? I think Doug Collins, if he stays, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Phil Jackson was the difference for the Bulls. But I think Phil Jackson probably wins a couple. I mean, sorry, Doug Collins probably wins a couple of championships with the Bulls as well. But I loved him describing that Craig Elo uh, shot. That was get the ball to Michael and everybody get the F out of the way. And a big part of Doug Collins getting replaced was the recognition that Michael Jordan, maybe as a single uh, individual talent, had taken the Bulls as far as he could go and that they needed to build more of a team around him in order to get to the championship level. And maybe Doug Collins wouldn't have ever acknowledged that. 
And credit to Michael Jordan for buying into the triangle offense enough that Scottie Pippen started to rise up and become an NBA all-star as well. Dennis Rodman just completely took over this episode. I mean, dating Madonna, being in a car with a gun beside him and thinking about committing suicide, then getting traded to the Spurs and going full-on demolition man. Um, And then when he decides that he needs a vacation and he just disappears to Vegas. And this is what I was watching. I'm thinking, is it better that we see everything now or that these guys had like a level of remove and celebrity to them? And what I mean by this is, if Dennis Rodman went AWOL during a season and it was being played right now, everybody would know all about it. You'd be able to follow it on Twitter Everybody would have their phones out. Everybody would be taking footage. Oh, there's Dennis Rodman. He's at insert Vegas nightclub here. Oh, look at Dennis Rodman partying at insert. You know, like we would know and be able to follow everything. Is it cooler back in the day to kind of just hear the rumors? Maybe you see footage every now and then. But Dennis Rodman deciding he needed a vacation during the season. And deciding to bail out. And then what about him ending up with Carmen Electra and Michael Jordan comes knocking on the door to get Dennis Rodman out of bed and Carmen Electra is like hiding so that Michael Jordan doesn't see her. I mean, we're talking about Carmen Electra. If you are around my age, Carmen Electra and Jenny McCarthy in the late 90s were as famous as like you could possibly be for good-looking women. Like, they were unbelievable superstars. So the idea that Carmen Electra ends up with uh, that with Dennis Rodman after he also dated Madonna is all pretty crazy. And even the, even the footage of Dennis Rodman talking about how he'd play the game for free, it was all the BS that was around that bothered him. Craig Sager giving him 20 bucks to pay his fine. How about him saying he's having a kamikaze during the workout and for most people, you'd be like, ha that's kind of a funny joke. For Dennis Rodman, you're kind of like, man, maybe he did have a kamikaze during the workout. Even the footage from Phil Jackson coaching in Puerto Rico? I mean, how crazy was that whole story? They said that some guy comes out and shoots uh, shoots a, uh, shoots a or an official in the leg because he was angry in Puerto Rico about the way the game was being officiated, and they just said you couldn't go to home games for the rest of the year? But then Jordan coming to grips with what it was going to take to get past the Pistons and saying to Horace Grant, don't effing whine about the way that he was being treated by the Pistons. Jordan, when they lost in 90 in game seven in the Pippen migraine game, being on the bus and crying, being so utterly devastated over losing three years in a row, which comes back around to, I hated them, I hate them today, Jordan on the Pistons. But then Scottie Pippen in 91 getting shoved into the stands and it was like the Bulls were mentally tough enough enough to handle it. And then the Pistons leaving without shaking hands. Horace Grant just saying, yeah, they were straight up bitches. Which is the, I said earlier on the first hour of the show, that's the, That's the utter dismissal 1990s era insult. If you grew up back in the day and somebody called you a straight up bitch, it was like the most devastating insult, succinct, to the point, 
every guy out there who grew up in the 90s is like, that was such a 90s-level destruction from Horace Grant. Going old school and just saying, hey, they were straight-up bitches. That was, that was such a 1990s-era insult. Jerry Krause dancing on the plane to celebrate the win. And then uh, when they showed Michael Jordan the Isaiah Thomas commentary, which is I think is such a cool part of this documentary, is like when they hand, you saw him do it for Phil and Scotty and Michael where they talked about Dennis Rodman needing a vacation. But Michael Jordan said, you can show me whatever you want. You'll never convince me that he wasn't a bleep. Talking about Isaiah Thomas and the way the Pistons left the court. I mean, that entire documentary was extraordinary all right we're going to take a break from the documentary and we come back we will talk the nfl draft a little bit more this is outkick the coverage with clay travis hey it's jonas knox and you know o'reilly auto parts you know o o o o'reilly who are in the business of keeping your car on the road o'reilly auto parts offer friendly helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs they've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock either in store or online so you never have to worry if you're in a jam the team at o'reilly auto parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car if it needs to be replaced they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of hand-cooked tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended install 
installer near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com sports to see their hand-cooked test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires and a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. We're reacting to a lot. The NFL draft, which took place over the weekend on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, the Michael Jordan documentary, uh, The Last Dance, about the 1990s era Bulls, which aired uh, last night, episodes three and four. Uh, and uh, there's a lot to still unpack associated with that. But a couple of things that I wanted to hit from the NFL draft that we haven't hit so far that I thought were fairly significant. Um, first of all, the audience was fantastic, right? Uh, just a monster audience up 37% day one, 40% day two, 32% on day three. Everybody loved the opportunity to sit down and watch the NFL draft. But in particular, what I thought stood out was, uh, was again, how the Southeastern Conference just absolutely dominated this draft. Through the three rounds on Friday, the SEC had 40 draft picks. Some of the best players that we have ever seen is incredible. It's incredible how much talent the SEC had at the top of the line this year. And when you look at the schools and what they produced in terms of the uh, in terms of the uh, in terms of the audience, LSU tied an all-time record with 14 draft picks. The SEC produced 63 draft picks. The Big Ten, 47. Pac-12, 32. ACC, 27. SEC had 15 first-round picks, 40 through the first three rounds, which you've never seen before. So for people out there, there's always this argument, oh, the media's biased towards the SEC. There's not real SEC bias at at all. It's just the players are better. And through the first three rounds, I saw this stat, and I was like, oh, my God. Through the first three rounds, LSU had 10 draft picks. Through the first three rounds, that's like the first 106 picks, 10 of them came from LSU. Nine of them came from Alabama. The entire ACC, through the first three rounds, these are the best 106 players in the minds of all the NFL. The entire ACC had eight. Let me repeat that because that blows a lot of people's minds. LSU by itself and Alabama by itself had more draft picks than the entirety of the ACC conference. That's 14 schools. LSU and Alabama both had more NFL talent in the first three rounds on their teams more top 100 caliber talent on LSU and Alabama individual schools than the ACC conference did on 14 different schools. That was a mind-blowing stat that I saw. The other thing that I thought was interesting was when you break down where the players are from, seeing where uh, where the guys were from, I thought was really interesting. Several different data points that stood out to me. Where do the top players in college football come from? Texas. The state of Texas had 34 players drafted. Up next, 
California. Makes sense. Two really big states. But California and Texas. 34 from Texas. 24 from California. And then per capita, it starts to get a little bit interesting. Georgia, 21 players. Now, Georgia's a decent-sized state, but it's nowhere near the size of Texas or California. Then Florida had 18, right? Then these are the states where really your mind starts getting blown. Louisiana is not a very big state at all. 12 NFL draft picks. A big part of that was LSU. But per capita, the state of Louisiana produces more and better better players in the world of football than any state in America. So if you want to go out with your friends and you want to argue, you know, like, hey, what state has the best football players? It's Louisiana. Per capita, beyond a shadow of a doubt, Louisiana, year in and year out, produces the best football players. Then you got Alabama and Michigan, both producing 11. Now, Alabama is a lot smaller state than Michigan, but they both produced 11 players. Then the state of Pennsylvania, nine. Pennsylvania, big state, nine NFL players. And then Ohio, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, and Tennessee all produced eight NFL draft picks. North Carolina, seven. South Carolina and Wisconsin both produced six. This is where the players are from, not where they played college, right? It's where they went to high school. Followed by Virginia and Washington with five, and then Hawaii, uh, Illinois, and Minnesota each produced four. Uh, That is, that's according to Brian Fisher, by the way, uh, who I saw tweet this out that did all the research. That's really kind of fascinating to me to look at. Um, Again, the state that jumps out at me is Louisiana because per capita, it's pretty extraordinary. Alabama is also a pretty small state uh, and they produce a lot of talent. Same thing with Mississippi. You know, it's not just the numbers, it's per capita. It's not surprising that Texas, which has, I think, like 30 million people, might produce a lot of NFL draft picks or that California, which I believe has like 38 million people, would produce a ton as well. But some of these states that aren't very big, like Louisiana, uh, is pretty, pretty impressive to see the data points from where they come from. Now, what does that mean in general? Well, it kind of gives you a sense for why the SEC is so much better than every other conference. Because other than California and Michigan, uh, the SEC for the first seven states that produce the most draft picks, it's in five of them. Right, It's conferences in five of them. And going and adding Texas A&M has been massive for the SEC being able to recruit the state of Texas in general. Because now A&M is there, and that makes the SEC West, whether it's LSU, Auburn, certainly Alabama, they're able to go into the state of Texas and say, hey, you can come play football with us, and you'll still play against a Texas school every year, and you'll come back to play in at Aggieland every other year. So why are you worried about being very far away? You can still play in conference here. But I thought this was a uh, really pretty fascinating. And then there was another data point that I found to be really intriguing, and that was, and I feel like this is almost, we could have some fun with this, but 
the NFL and ESPN and ABC and the NFL Network, they put out the top 10 markets. What cities were most engaged, cared the most, were most wrapped up in where the NFL draft was going on? This is a rough test for where football is wildly popular because obviously the NFL draft brings together college football and the NFL in sort of this interesting and intriguing stew uh, to figure out where the marketplace is the biggest. Now, partly, this is going to be influenced by who has the number one pick, right? Um, And also where the number one picks are from, from a college perspective and everything else. So that factors in on some level. Uh, If your team is going to be drafting number one overall, the ratings tend to be explosive And so you see that at the very top. Columbus, Ohio, though, was the number one market for the entirety of the NFL draft all three days. Columbus, Ohio, number one overall. Obviously, that's where Ohio State is located. That's also where a lot of Browns fans live. That's where a lot of Bengals fans live. Number two market, Cleveland, Ohio. Ohio loves football. How about next? Philadelphia. I thought this was a little bit intriguing because it's not like the Eagles had a ton of picks. And I'm going to talk and have talked about the decision to go with Jalen Hurts and how I think it's a little bit of a questionable decision. I didn't really understand that behind Carson Wentz. But Philadelphia checking in third overall. Kansas City doesn't really surprise you that Chiefs fans would be watching in high numbers because they're the Super Bowl champs. And it's a lot of fun when you're the champs to be watching things, talking about you being the champs. So a lot of good, still positivity in Kansas City. Cincinnati, they had the number one overall pick. But that means that three of the top markets for the NFL are from Ohio. And this is a little bit different, kind of an interesting test case, because a lot of years you might be like, well, there's really good weather We're going to be outside. There's lots of events going on. Not a lot of people outside right now. So television ratings in general should be up pretty substantial. So state of Ohio, three of the top five highest rated markets for the NFL draft. And then we start to get into the South in a big way. Atlanta, Falcons haven't been that good historically, but... A lot of interest in Atlanta. Atlanta is kind of a melting pot of SEC football interest and just college and pro football in general. So it's not a surprise to me that they would be high. Then Jacksonville, Florida. Okay. Nashville, Tennessee, my hometown. Next three markets there, all Southern football hotbeds. Atlanta, Jacksonville, and Nashville. Then how about the conclusion? Milwaukee. A lot of Packer fans probably sitting back saying, whoa, we got Jordan Love. We got a lot of drama all of a sudden in Green Bay. Then Denver, Broncos just dominate in the city of Denver. And then Baltimore, Maryland. So in order, your 10 most NFL draft crazed cities in the country, Columbus, Ohio, Cleveland, Philadelphia, Kansas City, Cincinnati, Atlanta, Jacksonville, Nashville, Milwaukee, Denver, and Baltimore. Now, the only city on here that doesn't have a team, 
because I'm counting Milwaukee, basically Green Bay as being Milwaukee's team, is Columbus, Ohio, where Ohio State is just massive. And so I found that to be a fairly intriguing part of looking at the overall popularity of the NFL draft. Now, the other thing I want to say about the NFL draft is I love Jalen Hurts, okay? I was excited to see where he was going to go. I don't understand how it makes sense for him to be with the Eagles at all. And you can say out there, well, Carson Wentz is going to be unhealthy and he misses games and he's going to get injured. And I even saw where somebody came out, part of the, the, the Eagles organization, they were like, they cited the coronavirus as the reason why they drafted uh, why they drafted Jalen Hurts. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. If your quarterback gets the coronavirus, if it's as contagious as it appears to be, first of all, he's young, he's healthy, he's going to be fine. But probably everybody else in the quarterback room is probably going to get it too. That's contagious. You know, a broken leg isn't contagious. But it doesn't make sense that you would expect somebody to be in the room all day sharing time with the quarterback and then suddenly one quarterback gets sick. Seems like there'd be a high chance of another player getting sick as well. So I didn't understand that logic. And for the years that the Eagles are now committed to Carson Wentz, I don't understand why you would bring in this high of a draft pick to back up Carson Wentz either. It just doesn't seem very logical to me. I think Jalen Hurts has the potential to be a really good quarterback, but I don't really understand why he would be your draft pick in the second round if I'm an Eagle fan. Is that crazy? Eagle fans, I imagine you agree with me, a lot of you. But I want Jalen Hurts to be successful. I just don't understand how putting him in this position is going to lead to that level of success if you understand kind of the breakdown there. All right, we'll continue to talk about the NFL draft and more. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Encourage you to make sure you download the podcast. Didn't miss anything talking about the NFL draft Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It was spectacular. Also talking about the last dance Sunday. We've had a great time throughout the show. My thanks to Dan Wetzel, who came on as a guest with us. Got to say this. We're ready for sports to be back. And I want to leave you on Monday with some really positive news from Sunday. We are starting to see the official end of this coronavirus outbreak on the horizon. And what I mean by that is, and this is, you can go check my Twitter feed. I put this out on Sunday night. Uh, We hit the lowest number of deaths in the month of April on Sunday. Down deaths now across the country are declining precipitously all over the place. And in particular, uh, this uh, New York State hit a new low in deaths in their state as well. New Jersey is slowing down. Connecticut, it appears things are getting better in Michigan. I know you guys are listening to this program all over the country, but the numbers are improving rapidly everywhere, not just in the United States, by the way, also in Europe. Uh, but we also hit nearly a new cases low despite testing having improved massively so far such that I believe it's time for the leagues to start to think about coming back like the NBA out there a lot of you are watching the last dance and you are loving it there are three more Sundays of the last dance 
to me, it would be a phenomenal thing if in three weeks the NBA comes out at the end of the last dance in three weeks and says, hey, we're ready to come back and start training. And we got the news from Woj that in many states out there that are opening up, guys are going to be able to go to their official team facilities. So like in Oklahoma, in Texas, in Tennessee, in Georgia, in Utah, lots of different states to my understanding out there that are opening up guys are going to be able to go into the gym and start to get back in shape starting as soon as May 1, which is the end of this week. So we've got the last dance airing on May 3rd, on May 10th, and on May 17th, and then it's over. To me, this is an opportunity if Adam Silver is thinking smartly, and if you look at the data and where we're headed, it's very likely that by the middle of May, the number of infections and the number of deaths are going to have declined precipitously, even more so than now. Again, on Sunday, we hit a low for the entire month of April, and we were down really, really much lower. Again, we were all the way back to March 31st, the same rate there. So if you think about the curve, you know we're on the backside of the curve pretty clearly. Now, I don't know how quickly we're going to get down the backside of that curve, but I think it's going to happen pretty quickly as we move into May. Temperatures start getting warmer. The, the, the rates of infection continue to decline in general. The rates of severe infection continue to decline. I think the NBA, Major League Baseball, the NHL, uh, MLS, Everybody out there in these leagues needs to start to think about coming back. Now, we know that the PGA says they're coming back June 11th, and we know at least it's been hinted and talked about a great deal that uh, that NASCAR is going to come back May 24th. We're going to talk later in the week in a big de- to a large degree, I think, about colleges coming back, which is a big part of college football and college basketball and sports returning on campuses. I think that's a smart move. I think we're going to start to move really quickly as May gets closer and closer towards the idea of guys being able to come into camp, get into shape. And I've been saying this for a long time. And some people have not been happy with me because they want to sell doom and gloom to you and the fact that the bad things are going to happen and there's no way that we can play the games. I disagree. I think that every league is going to be playing by late June into July. So I think the Major League Baseball, I think the NBA, I think the NHL, I think the MLS, everybody's going to be back. And I think it would be smart if they build off of the NBA does all the popularity that's coming out of the last dance. And I guarantee you LeBron's watching this saying, man, I can't catch Jordan if I don't win a championship this year. There's no way anybody's going to argue that I am superior to Michael Jordan after watching this documentary. So big, true numbers that are out there that are fantastic. Again, lowest number of deaths since the month of April began. Total new cases declining even as the number of cases, uh, tests that we can get out there are growing in a big way. I've been telling you for a long time, you know how the story ends. It ends with us beating the coronavirus. It's time for the leagues to start thinking about coming back. Time to make it happen. I love all of you. Download the podcast. My name is Clay Travis. This has been Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 
Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 